Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. James chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 2. James 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Would you read verse 2 with me together? My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. I just want to talk to you just for the next little bit from this title, Battle Scars, Battle Scars. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Amen. We welcome all of our guests. I meant to mention that. Can we let our guests know that we are glad to have them in the house of the Lord with us this morning? Amen. Amen. Does anybody here, uh, does anybody here this morning uh, have scars that you you remember exactly where you were when you got them. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody got a story about that scar? How you got it? What happened? I've got a uh, a scar right here in my hairline. If you're ever just talking to me uh, up close or something, you can see it. But uh, when I was, I would guesstimate probably eight, maybe nine years old, we, uh, lived in a very small neighborhood over in Ducoin and I've told bike stories before. We, we were just, my brothers and I, the neighborhood kids, we were part of the bike gang. We were just ruthless, just riding all over town after the street lights came on and stuff like that. We were real dangerous. And, uh, but we would, uh, we would just do crazy, just stuff, mindless stuff, looking back on the like, you know, what, what were you thinking? And I remember right down the road from our house, we had this, uh, there was this just real steep ditch that just went straight down and then very little uh, bottom there and then just went straight back up. And so we were just like, who's going to be the one to just go down it and see if they can make it up the other side? And so I... I wasn't scared at the time, and so I decided, thought it was smart, let me get a running start at it. Like, let me go back to the stop sign, let me ride my bike 50 feet as fast as I can and go down. Maybe I'll just get through it real fast. You know, that makes sense, right? You'd have thought I hit my head, right, you know, something, but that comes later, right? So ride my bike as fast as I can. You know what happens. I had such momentum that I went right off the ditch over the handlebars. And for some reason, I didn't see the culvert that was sticking out on the other side whenever we were, you know, making, you know, seeing how everything was going to play out. And so Bryce's head went straight into the culvert. And I remember, I, I, I vividly remember this story, eight or nine years old, and so I remember climbing out of the ditch, and I remember my friends just like, like, looking at me, and I'm like, dazed, like, I don't know what's, what happened, you know, I, I, it's like, I'm like, I blacked out, I wasn't knocked out or anything, all of a sudden, just a sea of red just came down my eyes, and I remember it like it was yesterday, running home, and having to run to the emergency room and and cause my parents to have some more bills and then and, and it was quite the story but I do have that scar it's quite a funny story I have a scar on the inside of my 
left bicep here. And uh, it's a nasty scar. And I remember I was even younger than eight. And I vividly remember this one that we had one of those just bouncy balls in the house that I thought would be a good idea to stand on to reach for a cup in the counter or in the cabinet. And our countertops back then, they were very old style that had the aluminum trim just that was nailed into the into the side of the of the countertops. And this one, this particular spot where I was reaching for, it had like a knife shaped piece of aluminum that was sticking out and I slipped and fell. It slipped right through my arm. And I just remember kind of like seeing flesh and, you know, just on the inside. I don't think we got stitches for this one, though, because it's a they're probably like, that's enough, bud. Like we're we're, we're not taken to the emergency room. Fun story, though, when I did bust my head on my bike later that afternoon, one of my brothers hit me in his backswing with a shovel. And I don't think I have quite the scar. It did bleed. Uh, but I remember my parents being very upset because they were like, we just took you to the emergency room. Enough. Enough. And this is just this is just one of their four boys. So this is just one. So you can imagine uh, the stories that they could tell. But I'm sure you could you could tell some stories here today about maybe some scars that you have from your childhood or maybe even last week. Who knows? Like we're still human. You know, we still fall and we still do goofy things, right? But one thing I know is this, is that if you learn from a scar, then it was worth the pain. If you learn from the scar, it was worth the pain. Our text this morning, weird. What a scripture, really, because in in our natural minds, it's kind of crazy, right, that we would ever count any temptation as joy. Kind of wild, right? We, 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 that's not how our natural mind thinks. Now, what James is describing in this text, he's describing the trying of faith. And those of you that have walked with the Lord for some time, you know that your faith will be tried. Amen. And that's what James is talking about, moments when you are tempted to throw in the towel, moments when you are tempted to give it all up and to go a different way. He's talking about those moments that you would probably look back on in your life and wish that those times had never happened. And um, maybe you're going through something right now that you really would love to be able to just hit the fast-forward button and just go right on through that season, just to hit the fast forward, just take us to the other side where this is all behind us. Or perhaps better yet, maybe you wish to go back to a time and a season, a place in your life when things were in your mind better than they are right now. Most of you are familiar with the story of Job, and I I know that that none of us would dare to compare our tragedies with the ones that Job faced, but Job talked about this, and he, he described this mental temptation on the part of humanity. He said these words, when I go forward, he's not there, and when I go backward, I cannot find him, and on the left where he does work, he hides himself from me, and 
On the right hand, he's nowhere to be found. What was it that Job was facing? Just like you and I, he was facing trials. He was facing tribulations. Ones that tempted him to want to question God. Times, moments that made him perhaps want to turn around and go a different direction. You know that some people don't necessarily want to backslide from God. They just want to backslide from the moment. They want to backslide from a season. They want to backslide into the past maybe where things seem better. Or how about they may even want to slide forward into the future. And here's Job saying, I tried that. I've already tried that. And guess what? God wasn't in my going forward. God wasn't in my going backward. God wasn't on the left and God wasn't on the right. You know, it's easy to look over at what we consider greener pastures and sort of veer off of the race that we're running and slide onto a different path that somebody else is walking. Get on somebody else's path because their path looks a lot better than mine. Their path looks so much greener, so much greater, so much more joyous. So much like they've really got it going on. It's easy to get our eyes over there and to kind of veer off the race that uh, we're on. But I want you to know that God isn't in your left or your right. God is not in your going forward or going back. God's right in the middle. God is in your circumstances at this very moment. You know, many times, and I, I know you've heard it said, you know, that God won't put more on you than you could bear. But the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, we've already got more on us than we can bear. If we're being totally honest, we've already got more on us than we can bear. You should know, and if you don't know, you're going to hear from me this morning, that God is the only reason that we are standing here. Our ability to bear it long went out the window. I'm not standing here because I'm able. I'm standing here because he's able. Because of the God that I serve is able. My ability to bear it, that was, that was long ago. My only ability is found in the Lord alone. Your only ability is found in the Lord alone. The Bible says I make my boast in Christ alone. No other reason. Jesus said one time, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light you got to understand the concept of a yoke. It's two, two animals yoked together, two animals of equal strength. Both of them sharing the burden, both of them sharing the load. Picture oxen. These oxen have equal strength. And it's important that they have equal strength because if they don't, then they would be considered unequally yoked, which the Bible does talk about. And if that happens, then the one is pulling while the other doesn't pull at all. But the scripture teaches that when you come into the yoke of Christ, you come into a yoke that is easy. But, but, but Bryce, there's no such thing as an easy 
yoke. So what's Jesus talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's saying that if you'll get into his yoke, then he'll do the pulling and he'll do the pushing and he'll do the fighting. He'll do the winning. Guess what? On your behalf. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I mean, how are we more than conquerors? Through Christ Jesus who loved us. And so, and so we find ourselves in circumstances. Perhaps you're in the middle of a battle in your mind right now. Maybe a battle in your life. Maybe you had better days in your past. Maybe you had better days in your future. But right now things just don't seem, they seem like they're just getting worse. Or maybe, just maybe you're at peacetime right now. Maybe you're in a time where things are going rather smoothly, but as I'm describing these times, these moments, these seasons, you can remember, you can reflect upon a day that maybe wasn't so smooth, maybe wasn't just so green or pastures, a day that you wish that you could never forget. Nights where you didn't sleep so good. Nights where you worried and you wondered and doubted and stressed about what was going to happen because of the circumstances that you were facing. And guess what? Those temptations come. Temptations to place your faith elsewhere, somewhere else other than God. Temptations on whether you are, whether or not you are going to serve the Lord, whether you're going to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments, or whether you will indulge in the pride of life. These temptations, they come to us. And, and we wish like everything else that they would stand at bay. But the Bible tells us to count it all joy. With every temptation you face, when, when, when you fall into temptation or a trial or a struggle, James is telling us, don't fret, don't worry, don't doubt, don't fear, but count it all joy. Every sleepless night, joy. Every struggle that you had, joy. Every mountain you had to climb, joy. Don't look back over and do anything else, but count it joy. Are you here this morning? Is anybody here this morning? How many of you are, if you're here this morning, would you just raise up your hand right now? Because I'm going to tell you, there's some folks in here right now that you didn't think there was a time in your, in your life, in your walk, that you would ever see January 1st, 2023. There was a time in your life that the devil had convinced you that you were facing the last days of your sanity, the last few days of your life. You thought by now you'd be backslid, dead, or depressed, but God who is rich in mercy. But God, who is faithful, God is able to reach down and pull you out of the depths of your despair. Come on, He can lift you up from any trial. He can bring you out of any temptation that you face. You need to count it all joy when you're facing that trial. Don't go back on your life and count it any differently. Oh, that caused me to be bitter, or that that made me this, or that made me give up hope. No, you counted joy. When you look back over your life, that's joy, that's joy, that's joy. Oh, and that's joy too. You may not understand. I know it. You get in moments and you get in trials and, and you're like, I don't really understand why this is happening. 
I don't understand why I just had the year I just had. I don't understand why I faced what I faced. I don't understand the heartache. I don't understand the loss. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the things that God allowed to happen. I don't understand why I went through that. I don't understand while I'm still going through that. Let me preach you this morning. That's all right. You don't have to understand it. It's the peace that passeth all understanding. And you need to know and understand. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. So when you look at your trial, when you look at what you're facing, you count it all as joy. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord today. It's joy. You call it discouragement, I call it joy. You call it depression, I call it joy. Some call it bitterness. Some call it betrayal. I call it joy. You know why I call it joy? Because it works together. I said it all works together for the good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his I don't know how to describe it, I, but somewhere, somehow in those moments that, we, and we wouldn't even want to know about the depth of the despair that some of you have, have gone through and been to. You wouldn't want to talk about the depth of the despair. We could pass the mic around this morning and you would just give the highlights and the highlights alone. You wouldn't want to describe every fear, every tear. You wouldn't want to go back and relive it. You wouldn't want to go back and and bring it all back up again. All of those feelings that allow them to sweep across you again. But every demon you encountered, every devil that tempted you, every time you almost gave up, every time you did give up, but God wouldn't allow you to do it you wouldn't want to go back over your life all over it again but I'm telling you you stand here today in the presence of God the Savior the Creator and you're able to say he brought me out he saw me through God came through come on if you believe that clap your hands with me this morning He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to say, he gave me a song. A song of his praise. Somewhere when you, when you, when your, when your heart cried out, Somewhere when you're so long and was desperate for God, somewhere in that moment, you learned, you hear me, you learned that God answers prayer. You found out, you found out that God hears from heaven. And guess what? It was more than a sermon. It became more than a song. You learned in your life that God's a healer. You learned in your life that God answers in your struggle, in your battle, that God really hears and God really answers prayer. And you know the nights that I'm talking about. You know, you remember it well, where your heart broke and it was shattered, your mind was broken, you felt as though there was no hope and you called upon the Lord. 
and you didn't even know if he would hear you or listen to you. You didn't even know, but you called upon the Lord and he heard your faintest cry. You know those moments where he came down into that room. He came down into that altar. You hear me this morning. Don't you forget, don't you forget that day. Don't you forget that struggle. Don't you forget that battle. Look down at those battle scars that you have and let them speak to you again. Don't forget the battle because the battle had everything to do with who you are today. The battle had everything to do with your sanity. It had everything to do with why you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You didn't start loving your neighbor just because you're so loving. That's not why. No. No, I know we like to think of ourselves as good people. And I'm not saying we aren't, but that's just, it's not natural. You don't, you don't just love your neighbor because you got it all together and you're just super, just super spiritual. No, you know why you love your neighbor as yourself? Because you went to hell and back for it. You went to hell and back in order to love your neighbor. So why? So you can have compassion. You didn't become that way on accident. No. God allowed you to go through some of the most terrifying moments of your life so that you can become a loving, decent child of God. God did just serve it up to you on a silver platter. He didn't just walk into your room every day and, and just give you everything that you need. No, 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 no. He gave you something better than that. He gave you something deeper than that. You learned it firsthand that he's a healer, and you learned it in a hospital room. You learned it firsthand that he can make a way where there seems to be no way. People hear that, and they're like, oh, that's cute. That's bright. That sounds a little cliche. I know, we, I know we say that a lot, that he can make a way out of no way. Let me tell you, it's not cliche to those who he made a way where there seemed to be no way. I'm talking about there where there was no door. There was no window. There was no way out. But God stepped in, and he made a way. He did something that you couldn't do. He did it. God did it. And you found out, you found out firsthand, he's a way maker. You found out on your own. You found out he's a comforter. You found out he's a peace speaker. And you found out on your own, in your life experience, it was those scars that taught you. The battle scars that you, you've been through something and you fought. God saw you through. In your own communication with him, you found out that even the winds and the waves obey his voice. You found that out. It was more than a sermon. It was more than a song. And it wasn't, it, it, it was real life. It was real difficulty. It was real chaos. It was real spiritual warfare. And guess what? You wouldn't have found it out any other way. We can preach it till we're blue in the face. But it is those experiences, those scars that you have from battle that teach you God's able, God's faithful. Abigail Adams was the wife of the second president of the United States. Her husband 
was a diplomat, one of our founding fathers before he was president. He was in Europe for two years at the time, negotiating treaties, trying to get the French to help the young, struggling nation that was trying to become a nation, the United States of America, trying to negotiate their involvement so that we can have strength against Great Britain. Meanwhile, his wife was back in Massachusetts while the Revolutionary War was in full swing. She was trying to keep their home and their children. And soldiers were coming in and out. And the, the Revolutionary War was a very ragtag army. It wasn't, it wasn't an organized army. There was, there was no nation yet, right? And so you had these just group of colonies that were coming together to war against the great empire of, of Britain. And so these soldiers, they had to stop at houses to find food. And they would come by the Adams house and they would find food. Abigail Adams had her hands full, and she described in John Quincy Adams, her son, who became the sixth president, described how that at the Battle of Bunker Hill, his mother took him up by the hand and raced him up to a nearby hilltop, and they watched the Battle of Bunker Hill unfold before their eyes. John Quincy Adams was seven years old, scarred him for life, traumatized him. He stood next to his mother holding on to her dress, and they watched as the British troops battled against those revolutionary soldiers. They watched their family doctor die as a patriot that day. They watched him die. It was so traumatizing that Abigail Adams wrote a letter to her husband and said, you must get home. We are living in an absolute nightmare. When they got back to the house, she grabbed John Adams, seven years old, and she brought him to her, and she said, here's what we're going to do. She grabbed a hold of him, and she brought him. She said, here's what we're going to do. Bow your head. She said, bow your head with me. And she prayed, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And she made her young son promise that before he would rise from bed every morning that he would repeat the Lord's prayer a promise that he kept to his mother from that day forward. Every morning, our Father who art in heaven. Every day, our Father who art in heaven. Every day we need to rise up from the bed, our Father who art in heaven. As those images of war raced through his mind, it did something inside of him. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants to be scarred like that. And I don't know what traumatized you. I don't know what scarred you or what led you in a place of you bowing to fear but hear me today don't let that be the end of your story you get a hold of something that you can hold on to for the rest of your life you might be jarred but let it jar you into a place of prayer let it traumatize you on your knees calling upon God give us this day our daily bread Lead us not into temptation. You're going to be shaken, but be shook into a prayer closet. Let it become something that forever changes the way that you live, the way that you treat people, the way that you approach life. 
count it all count it all joy let it be a battle not on a distant hilltop that wakes you up in the night with nightmares but let it be a battle that builds you don't let this be a struggle that is a struggle in vain but let it let it let it be something that adds to those vital components that make a man of god that make a woman of god those vital components of compassion you know what this world needs this world, this world needs people who have compassion on the sick. You know who has compassion on the sick? Those who have been sick. They got the battle scars. They're going to make it. This world needs people who have compassion on those who struggle even in sin. Those who look at someone who is struggling in sin, somebody who has lived their life and feel as though they can say they have no sin, none to speak of anyways. You know, none of the, none of the big stuff. You know, I'm pretty good. I'm basically pretty good when you compare me to other people. You and I need to have a reality check. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You better know that the only reason you stand here today is by the grace and mercy of God. I better always understand if it weren't for his love, if it weren't for his mercy. Hear me today. If it wasn't for any of those things, I've got no position in his kingdom. I've got no place in his body. There's no room for me if I don't recognize that it's by the mercy of the Lord that I am not consumed. Are you thankful today that God delivered you from sin? Are you thankful today that God is your redeemer and that he liveth? Are you thankful that God came down, robed himself in flesh, sacrificed for your life? So let's have compassion on those who are struggling with their issues. It's so easy on this side of grace to look on somebody struggling and wallowing in their addiction, in their confusion, in their sinful habit. It's so easy to look upon them with an ungodly, I won't even call it self-righteousness. It's unrighteousness, disdain. I just pray, God, help us because the scripture says those who will make it in the kingdom far at the end of the pack, far back at the pack, those that are self-righteous, those that are hypocrites are going to be way behind even the Sodom and Gomorrah. If you want to know what God thinks of Sodom and Gomorrah, read the book of Genesis, and you'll find out the wrath of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's where self-righteousness ranks, behind that. But there is a compassion upon you when you go through a battle, there is a compassion on you when you go through the struggles of life, the trials of life, you count it all joy. I know you don't want to relive it, but you count it joy. No, Bryce, you don't understand. No, I understand joy. You count it as joy. Every sleepless night, joy. Every hospital visit, joy. Every time where you confused and confronted, joy. 
let it ring out of your spirit. I'm looking for some people in 2023 to get a boldness inside of their spirit that says, no, 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 devil. I'm not going to let you hold condemnation over my head because when I look at it, it's all joy. The blood of Jesus came down and he turned it into joy. He turned my mourning into dancing. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus and the difference that it makes in your life? There are those battles in life that build you into a prayer warrior. I'm going to let you know there's some prayer warriors in the sanctuary this morning. And they didn't become prayer warriors by just trying to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to get down and do my push-ups. I'm just going to try. That was a weak push-up, you know. But I'm just going to get down and I'm just going to go through this obstacle and I'm just going to I'm going to do some pull-ups. No, they didn't become a prayer warrior because they were trying to become a prayer warrior. They became a prayer warrior because when nothing else could help, they called upon God and they learned the power of prayer. You see these people worshiping here this morning in our worship service? They're not worshiping because they need to get their steps in. They're worshiping because they learn the power of worship. They learn that they interact with God when they worship. That heaven meets earth when we worship. Clap your hands unto the Lord today. These battles will build... These battle scars will speak if you let them. Her music would come. These battles will build the word of wisdom into you. They'll build the word of knowledge into you. Those battles will build the discerning, discerning of spirits in you. You'll know how you know Bryce from the battle. That's why, that's why experience is so important. The Bible, the Bible even warns about being a novice. Now, there's nothing wrong with starting. Everybody has to start somewhere. But the beauty of experience is the battle scar. You learn how to discern a spirit after a while. You learn knowledge. You learn how to minister to people in need. Where does that come from, Bryce? It comes from the scars of battle. The scars. It'll stay with you for the rest of your life. Don't ever lose it. Remember what he did for you. Remember. Tell your kids about it. Tell your family about it. Tell your grandkids how there was this one time that the enemy came in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord raised up a standard. Because I'm going to tell you, your kids and your grandkids, at some point, they're going to become adults. They're going to become adults, and they're going to experience some things that they have never experienced before. They're going to be in some battles that they've never been before. They're going to be a part of something that they've never been a part of before. And hear me right now. They're going to need to call upon some memories and some reports of faith that God really does answer prayers. 
Trust me, you want your kids to be as, 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 as a young adults or as adults and say, I remember a time where dad faced this. I remember a time where mom and dad were in this exact situation. I remember when grandpa was dealing with this circumstance. And here's what he did. <laughs> Do you remember the verse in, in, in Judges, the book of Judges that says that there, there arose a generation that knew not God? It goes on to say that they didn't know the works that he had done for Israel. What a tragedy. I mean, that's a tragic verse. They didn't even know the works. Now, I can, I can understand somebody that, that didn't know God. It's not right, but I understand it. I understand Somebody didn't take the time that was necessary to get to know God, and they're going to have to take that time to get to know Him at some point. That's one thing. But for someone not to know the works, you know what that tells me? Somebody's not talking like they should. Somebody's wasting a lot of precious time. Somebody's not telling them that He brought them out. Somebody isn't telling the next generation and speaking a word of testimony, telling their children, he's a way maker, he's a deliverer, he's a redeemer, he's a strong tower, he's my help. And you know those things to be true because the battles taught you that. The battle will Every promise has come true. He hasn't failed me one time. Every promise has been true. Stand with me if you will. <laughs> Here they stood on the on the on the banks of the Red Sea. They don't know what's going to happen. But by faith, they left Egypt. By faith, they walked out of slavery. But at, at least in slavery, they had a routine. <laughs> I mean, they resented Pharaoh. But they didn't know what lied on the other side of that sea. But by faith, they left that place. When they walked out, they immediately, they started thinking, oh, man, maybe we should go back. Like, you know, maybe we should turn around. We, you know, they looked at Moses and said, we want to go back. <laughs> yeah, we want to go back. Moses like, we're not going back. He said this, we're going to stand still. We're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord parted the Red Sea. Church, there's no way for me to preach it. There's no, I, I, I would love to preach it the way that it should be preached. I don't know that I would ever be able to adequately, adequately describe in a way that you would fully understand the exhilaration of that moment, the sheer awesome power and wonder of God's mighty hand as he parted the waters and created dry ground. 
All I can say is they walked through on dry ground. They walked through on dry ground, not muddy ground, not wet ground. It was dry ground. And they walked from this side of the sea to that side. God didn't translate them from one side to another. God didn't pick them up and throw them from one side to another. God made them walk through it. And there are so many times that we just want to be translated from this the start of this trial to the end of this trial. Take me to take me to where the trial ends, God. That's when I open my eyes. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we want to, we want to close our eyes and just be like, okay, just you know, just grab a hold of me and just I'll stay right here and just tell me when it's over. You have to go through it. But guess what? He'll give you dry ground upon which to walk. But you still got to go through it. Don't get bitter. Don't doubt. Don't, don't, don't disobey. Just count it all joy. Every step, joy. Another step, joy. Joy, joy, joy. Count it joy. And when you get to the other side, Miriam, you grab that timbrel. You grab that tambourine and you begin to worship and you begin to praise God and you sing a song. What a victory. And you talk about that day. You talk about that experience. You talk about it for the rest of your life. You share it. You write about it. You talk about it, uh, how the Lord kept you. You let those battle scars tell a story of how the mighty God brought you through time and time again you let those scars speak you let them tell about the battle you let them tell about the trial and you count it all joy you tell your family about it you tell your kids your grandkids about it you tell your neighbors about it look what the lord has done for me look what the lord has done Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.